This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in. It is the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show, only on 105.7 FM. The Fan, Steve Sparky Fiverr, Dwight Albert from the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin here on the road in Michigan from Flow Bowling, an extra frame. He is Phil Brylo. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Sparky. How are you doing today? Uh, sound all right. Uh, you don't sound so bad. Are you getting sick? <laughs> uh, just Way too much bowling this week. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit sick, but not too bad. But a lot of talking about what's going on at the World Series. So it sounds like you're broadcasting from a can, is what it sounds like. <laughs> it doesn't sound like an actual phone. Hey, oh, um, yeah, no, uh, that's me. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. So first things first. Um, coming up on today's show uh, and the next segment, starting in the second segment, Danny Sparanza, is senior director of equipment uh, specification and certification for USB. Uh, see uh, coming up uh, a little bit later here uh, in the show in the next segment and Dwight is going to geek out and you're going to oh, miss this... it. You're going to miss it, Phil. You're we, going to we miss are gonna it. We are going to set history oh, here for the yeah. geekness of the show today, Phil. I got a lot of work to do so I can get some stuff done. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so if you need a nap, just throw that bad boy back on and Dwight will put you right to sleep. No, I'm just messing around. Hey, uh, okay, so first things first, let, let's talk about what this week, uh, this last week has been like uh, for you. A, a little bit different, I guess, uh, but not really all that different from, let's say, Vegas uh, or Tahoe when they were out there doing the World Series of Bowling as far as trying to cram all this qualifying into a week. Exactly. Uh, four different patterns this week, 10 games uh, and three different animal patterns. Those will make the animal shows up on Fox Sports 1 coming up Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Once we get through those match play rounds, uh, the next three days, uh, world championship, they started bowling on the fourth pair in the Earl Anthony for cashers round. And then yesterday they moved into the historic arena Bay at Thunder Bowl in Detroit, uh, for the 16 games of match play. And the bleachers were absolutely packed. There were people, uh, all throughout the arena area. It was a great crowd to, to watch the last eight games of match play last night. Um, I'm not quite sure how we're going to be able to do next week's show in an hour. 
Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned about the hour time frame next week. I think it could take us four hours to yes. do the to do the whole thing. Because for those that don't know, the World Series of Bowling is on every night this week with a different show every mm-hmm. night this week, and they're all live. Uh, well, the first ones are all live. I think the one on Friday is the one on Friday taped, I guess. Correct. They're taping the one on Friday. They're taping that. See, now can I just championship Thursday. can I just throw something out here? You can pass along if you want. Otherwise, if Tom Clark's listening, he'll he'll hear me say it. Why do we got to put the word live on the TV schedule on the website for? Nobody's going to know the difference if it's live or tape. Right. The only people that are going to know are the, the weirdos on Facebook trying to find out the results before the air. And that's a small percentage of what actually watches your show. Because when you put live next to what is live, then they're going to realize that the rest of this is all taped. So why would you give that away? Like, for instance, the PBA playoffs uh, coming out of bowling heaven. I mean, all of these are taped essentially from April through May, they're all taped, and then you don't get live again uh, until June 1st. I don't know. Maybe I'm nitpicking, and I probably am. So, all right, so Monday night, 7 o'clock, FS1, uh, PBA World Series of Bowling, Cheetah Championship. Uh, Then Tuesday is the Chameleon Championship. Wednesday, the Scorpion Championship. Thursday, the PBA World Championship. All of these 7 o'clock starts, all of these on Fox Sports 1 all week long. And then on Friday, uh, the PBA World Series uh, of Bowling, USA versus the World on Friday night. I doubt we'll talk much about that, but that'll be the fifth show in a row on Fox Sports 1. What was the last time they did five shows in a row on weeknights? Never. No, absolutely. I, I've never, never heard of the PBA doing five shows in no. a row. The King of the Hill would be on during the week, yeah. but that was never a run like this. No. No, that was over consecutive weeks. That was another case again. Once it was all taped, and then they ran those shows out uh, over a few weeks. That's just nothing. The the other thing that I heard Phil during the week uh, from full Boeing was the amount of uh, crowd background noise while you guys were doing even extra frame in the bowling alley during the qualifying rounds. Well, yeah, I mean Detroit has a great history as well with bowling. When you walk in the Thunder Bowl, they have a great display. Uh, all the individual plaques and members of the Detroit Bowling Hall of Fame, all the records that were set there, some of the great bowlers like Joe Norris uh, that bowled out of Detroit for many, many years. Uh, the history is still here. And, you know, to have a center like Thunderbolt, which still has 90 lanes of bowling, uh, that, you know, as soon as we were done uh, yesterday, uh, they had an event in the main bay, and then they, have, they were just full with open bowling. So uh, they still do it. Seems pretty right here in Detroit. How many lanes are on one side of the house versus the other, Phil? It's actually split into three sections. The arena bay makes up the first 20 lanes. Then there's 54 lanes in what's called the main bay. And then there's a bay that they use just basically for cosmic bowling nowadays, hmm. uh, which is 16 lanes. So, Wow, big center. Yeah, it, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how this whole thing uh, plays out going forward. Now, as far as... Uh, who's bowling on what show? That still really hasn't been decided. Has the world championship? That's been decided. Yes. The rest yeah. of them, though, they still have to go through match play uh, to get in, and people can still watch that on Flow Bowling, right? Correct. So match play will start Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at noon Eastern time, eleven o'clock in Milwaukee on Flow Bowling. Uh, you watch the field of sixteen get reduced down to the top four that make TV, and they made a change to the TV shows, which is pretty interesting. Uh, originally it was going to be the old World Series format where they had all four bowlers bowl at the same time. Yes! They, <laughs> yes! Then they, dropped, 
Wait, Sparky, don't get studied yet. That was the original plan. Was the four, three, and then the final two. They were going to eliminate one guy each game. Right. Problem is, it doesn't fit in the two-hour live TV slot. So they changed it. So now it's going to be all four of the finalists are going to bowl a single game for their stepladder seating. Hmm. And then they're going to bowl four versus three, three winner versus two, winner versus one. So a little bit because of the TV, they've changed the format on how those finals are going to be. And how do the bowlers react? Uh, well, some of the bowlers didn't know yet. <laughs> we were talking to them yesterday at flow bowling. And uh, the, the, the responses were, let's just say, very muted <laughs> on that format change. But, you, got, you know, you got to understand, you got to be able to fit in that two-hour live TV window. And uh, the way that format would have been, they would have had to do some, either start some bowling before the show or do some bowling through the breaks. In order to get Why couldn't you have done a side-by-side split with commercials running on one side and them continuing to bowl on the left side? Oh, that's that's not a, I'm, I'm just a full bowling guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that would have made sense, right? I mean, I don't know if you still sure, would have made it or not, but that would have made sense. Sure. There's other sports that do that now. Is, you know, you, you watch IndyCar racing. Yes, you know, the, the same way. screen and that type of thing as well. Yes. So. Hmm. But uh, that's, a, that's a Tom Clark question. Well, I didn't know this was all going on, so you just told me. So, yeah, I, I yeah, we we all just found out about it over the last couple of days here. So, all right, so let's talk about the field for the world championship. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. uh, Jason Belmonte uh, sitting there again, amazing. <laughs> there he is. See, he's back from his little uh, getaway back to Australia. <laughs> Welcome back, <laughs> and there he is uh, again. Yeah. Uh, now again, uh, Matt McNeil. Yeah, that uh, was a surprise from for me. Minneapolis. Twelve and four in match play. Uh, what do you know about Matt McNeil? Uh, he's one of the players. Uh, he had great history in the past at the USBC Championships yep. for many years. Uh, but he had a job in the corporate world, so the only time we used to see him was at the World Series of Bowling, pretty much as a PBA pro. Uh, the last three World Series, he's finished eleventh each time. Right. So it's not like he doesn't have the talent. It's not, let's just say, a lucky catch for a bunch of games. Uh, Matt's a talented player, and he proved it again by uh, getting a big match play win last night and getting himself up into second place. We've had him on our radio show, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about Bill O'Neill, Belmonte's uh, trusted partner in doubles and friend? Uh, That would be fun. I would love to see Bill O'Neill and Belmonte uh, NL Finals, uh, and then of course Jacob Buttriff with the shot that makes me nervous. Like I just, <laughs> it just weirds me out. Uh, and then qualifying fifth for the finals was BJ Moore, uh, who we have seen uh, in the past as well. Yeah, BJ Moore, another case, a part-time player, always seems to come through at the World Series with some good showings. Uh, back in 2016, he made all four animal patterns uh, and the World Championship match play rounds. He only made one TV show out of that, but. Uh, B.J. Moore is definitely a talented player, and he's a guy that only bowled two events on the tour before the World Series. So uh, with a good result here, he'll get himself eligible again for the PBA League in, in April for the draft. So, Of the other uh, ones that still have to go through match play, has it been Belmonte's week for the most part, or are there other guys uh, that have bowled pretty well leading into match play this week? Well, Bill O'Neill is the only player to make all three animal pattern match plays. Wow. Uh, a couple of players like Matt McNeil, uh, Bill O'Neill, they've made a couple of animal pattern match, or I mean, uh, Matt McNeil and, and Jason Belmonte made a couple of the animal pattern match plays, uh, but some surprising names that didn't cash at all in this event this week. Uh, Tommy Jones was one of them. Sean Rash, who usually has a pretty solid World Series, uh, Rash was another one that that had zero caches and went home early. So, 
uh, some of the good young talent that's out here uh, really making their way through the uh, animal patterns, and some of them even made their way into the uh, top 16 for, for the uh, match play for the World Championship. What did Bill O'Neill do differently this week, Phil, to make all three of the match play rounds? I don't think it was anything different. I just think that he's worked so hard on his game getting into 2019. You know, he won the title at the Hall of Fame Classic to kick off the year, and it's he's had a solid year. He just did a lot of work changing certain facets of his game, changing his, his axis tilt and his rotation and just working on repetition, and he's just put it all together for the first 56 games of the World Series of Bowling. One another thing that I saw this week that really brought the crowd to their knees and I heard a lot of screaming is uh, very rarely that you see two different pros make 7-10 splits during flow bowling qualifying rounds. Yeah, and they were uh, less than five minutes apart. Andrew Anderson uh, bounced the 10 out of the pit and it rolled into the rake and it rolled all the way back into the 7 <laughs> to make his 7-10 and then Belmonte about five minutes later uh, aimed at the 7-pin and bounced the 7-pin right out of the pit and took out the 10. So couple different ways to make it and the, the pins are really flying uh out of the pit at thunderbolt this week so there was a uh, another 710 yesterday aj chapman during the match play rounds of the world championship aj chapman made a seven wow so yeah and and there was was there a part uh time that uh belmo was actually throwing a backup just like anthony simonson did during the uh world bowling tour finals yeah belmo the uh the last uh game of scorpion on thursday night uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, last game of the Anthony on Friday night. Uh, he gave it a try just to see what kind of look he'd get. Uh, Simonson tried doing it yesterday during match play. It didn't work out really well for him either. Uh, but Simonson, was, he was just looking for anything at the time. Simonson was in 16th place. He had nothing to lose. Uh, and Belmo definitely went away with it. Didn't see it the rest of the time uh, during the tournament. So, yeah, he tried it again. But uh, he, he stuck with the A game. And yeah, I, that's what got him in the number one spot. Yeah, if there was one thing that you know, the guys that came into the shop this week talked about is, and I heard it at least a dozen times, is the talent that Simonson and Belmo have being able to throw a backup ball. I understand it's probably a little easier with the two-handed versus using your thumb, but still people are amazed and taken back by that, Phil. Well, and that's the thing is that you have to do whatever you can out here to win in some in some cases. You know, Simonson, he had one game, one shot to do it in the World Bowling Tour Finals. They thought his best uh ability to do that was to get out, get away from where EJ Tech and Stu Williams are playing. And he almost pulled it off. Uh, Belmo was just like, okay, I'm, I'm leaning by this much, but uh, what other option do I need in case somebody starts catching up? And we had that again yesterday where all of a sudden Belmo's coming in the match play with a, with a 200 plus pin lead after a few games, it gets down to 90 pins. And all of a sudden he's like, well, I better turn it on again. And by the time we got to the lunch break, after he shoots 680 for three and gets three wins, he's back up by 250 pins again. Mm. So, you know, he's just, you know, Belmo just, whatever advantage he can get out there, he'll, he'll look for it. And he kind of used, you know, a couple of games uh, later on in, in, in qualifying a cashier's round to kind of figure out what he needed to do for match play. And no doubt he definitely did it. He had a sub-500 match play record. He finished eight, or he finished eight and eight. He finished at 500. But he still led the field by... 350, uh, 322 pins. Amazing. That's crazy. You know, I was looking through some of these qualifying uh, things. B.J. Moore uh, in a couple of match plays. Tom Doherty looks like he's had a good week. Oh, yeah, and then Doherty just kind of fell apart yesterday. Game seven of match play. Just hit a pair that was absolutely fried out. And by the time I got to the last four frames, he was just trying to throw straight balls and just leave spares. He shot 148. Oof. And then uh, he lost his uh, match against Jacob Butcher. Butcher came out just absolutely hot. In position around, Butcher went spare five bagger, and it was over. 
Wow, that's good stuff. Now, guys that we haven't heard a lot of from this year in general so far, Oscar Palermo. Yeah, not yeah. much there from Oscar Palermo so far. Yeah, well, he made a, he made a match play in Indianapolis earlier this year. <clears throat> Actually, had a chance to make the show. He's number six going to the position round. Had a terrible game. Dropped back to tenth, and uh, Oscar not the world's greatest World Series either. Stu Williams, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, Stu had a great World Series back in 2016, where he made a bunch of match plays and made a TV show, and Stu this week, it was just a whole bunch of stuff where he came up, you know, a few pins short in every event. So uh, he was close, but he, you know, he walked away from Detroit with nothing in the checkbook. So Another guy that was considered a young gun at one point, and still is still a young guy, Cameron Doyle. Yeah, it's it's been an ugly year for Cameron. I mean, it's been a lot of finishes that haven't even been close to the, the top 25% of the field. I don't know if he need, just needs a, a different mental outlook, needs to rework his physical game a bit, but it's just been a struggle for the rookie of the year, and uh, it, it hasn't been pretty the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, what Cameron's going to have to do to get out of that slump, uh, I have no idea at this point in time. I have zero suggestions. And another name that I don't see on qualifying boards uh, as far as making uh, match play, Kyle Troop. Kyle didn't make one match. Oh, he did. Yeah, here it is. He was tied with Nathan Bohr with the Scorpion Championship. Yeah, you're right. Right. So, yeah, so it was it was just an ugly week for Kyle, and he came in uh, final day of, of Animal Parents on the Scorpion, and he looked at me game two in, in the flow bowling booth, and he goes, time to put on a show. And he, he threw some some good late strikes uh, in that qualifying round, got himself the number 14 spot, and, you know, it's going to be his one chance to, to make a show. E.J. Tackett had that the last World Series of Bowling where. EJ had a terrible World Series, uh, except for the Scorpion Championship, and EJ ended up taking home that Scorpion Championship in 2017, and, and that kind of saved his World Series. Maybe Kyle Troop can do the same thing. So for those that aren't aware, how many games did these guys bowl this this past week? They're already at 56. Wow. If Bill O'Neill uh, has all of his matches this week, uh, go to the max. That's their best of five matches. Uh, O'Neill can have 86 games and plus the TV shows. <laughs> I can't even. 10 day stretch of the World Series. I can't even fathom that in my brain. How, and that's what and that's what an off day today. Right. How, how big of a field? How big of a field did they have? 135. Okay. They started with. Yeah, that's a pretty good field. Yep. And it, There's nothing wrong with that. And it was and it was five on a pair, and that's the one thing the pros, you know, you ask them one thing that they detest during qualifying, is that if it's not if it's more than four on a pair, they just hate the pace. Right, it's just such a mental grind because it's so long between shots, uh, and unfortunately for a lot of the pros, because of the size of the field, the USBC Masters, uh, when that starts up on the 25th of March, um, yeah, they're getting that same thing again for 15 games of qualifying when mm. they get the Masters. So, so what time do they start bowling, and what time does it end on a normal day during World Series of Bowling? Uh, during qualifying, they started at 12:30, and they got done about 10:30 uh, at night. It's about 10 hours of bowling every day. Yeah, short little break to reoil the lanes after five games. Right. Wow. So it's long days. You know, yeah. Yeah, and then for the match play this week, you know, usually these guys get to a TV show and they get a day right. You know, they get the rest of the whole day before they get the TV. They don't get that this time around. They're going to be bowling at uh, at 11 a.m. Milwaukee time uh, for the round of 16, and then at 2 p.m. Milwaukee time for the round of eight, and then at seven o'clock they're on TV if they're in that top four. They're qualifying the day that they're bowling on TV. Yeah, there's ma- that's the match play rounds. So, yeah, they're doing all the match play in the main bay at Thunder Bowl because the arena bay is dedicated to TV. So they're going to get done, you know, probably about 4 o'clock, uh, 
Milwaukee time. They have three hours. For match play, and they'll have three hours to get ready for TV. And that uh, yeah. side that the arena is, that, that those pair of lanes, those first 20, they play completely different than the rest of the house, correct? Oh, absolutely. It's an entirely different lane surface. It's uh, first generation and the lane. Uh, there is an absolute ton of friction uh, in those pairs. And just the lines and everything the guys are playing, the different balls they were using. Uh, on the same pattern, Earl Anthony, they had that Friday in the main bay, and then they switched to the arena bay yesterday for the for the match play rounds. And, you know, the guys are, guys are hooking at 8, 10, 12 more boards using that same ball on the same oil pair mm. just because of the friction in the lane surface. That's just nuts. Hey, uh, how was the media coverage uh, in Detroit this week for all that was going on with the PBA? You guys got a lot of TV cameras and stuff? We saw some TV cameras, definitely had some print media here as well. Uh, Saw a couple of features on a couple of local TV stations. Uh, And I'm sure it's going to pick up this week with the the five consecutive nights of TV. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more media during match play and then during the TV shows as well. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Phil Brilo, thanks so much, buddy. I hope you feel better. Take a day off and, and rest. Yeah, I'm going to put myself on mute right now. Take care, guys. <laughs> Take care. There he is. Phil Brilo on the great Midwest Bank hotline from Flow Bowling and ExtraFrame.com. Uh, looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. I can't wrap my head around what they just went through this week, first of all. And I definitely can't wrap my head around having a bowl from 11 in the morning to about 4 in the afternoon and then having to come back and play for the big money on TV at night. That is insane. Yes. I, I mean, you're in a bowling alley the whole day. That the whole I don't, day. I'm not worried about that. I'm just the thinking about the amount of games and the, the their games, bodies go through. Well, and the right. mental aspect oh, yeah. of that. And then yep. changing, like you said, going from where you're qualifying, now going to the TV side. To go bowl over there, Ooh, buddy. Yeah. Whoever wins each day will have earned it. I'll Absolutely. tell you that much. Monday through Thursday. Whoever wins, they earned it. There will be no shortchanging. I don't care if they get a bounce, 10 pin knocked out at the last second to win a match or whatever. To get to that point, they earned it. I guarantee you that if you ask the pros, all, any of them this week, they're all going to say the word tired. Yes. At the end. <laughs> no doubt. At the end of the week. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm tired. You ought to be. <laughs> what a marathon it's been. Right. Uh, Danny Speranza coming up next, uh, Senior Director of Equipment Specification and Certification with USBC and Dwight's former bowling doubles partner. So we should have some good stories about Dwight. That's coming up next. <laughs> Gasoline Spare Time Bowling Show, only on 105.7 FM, The Fan. We haven't signed up for the Doubles League yet. Time's running out. May 14th starts up, $15 a bowler if you want to be involved. One hour commitment during the week. Uh, a couple nights still open there, weeknights open. So you bowl for one hour, $15 to get in. You get a couple hundred dollars cash and any choice of any storm bowling ball you want uh, if you win. And for just signing up, you get high five. Uh, jersey like the PBA guys wear, shirt, or you can get a three-ball bowling bag from Storm for signing up. Again, Castle Lanes, the wild side of bowling. Check out Castle Lanes on Facebook. Uh, Joining us now is Danny Speranza. He is the Senior Director of Equipment Specification and Certification here uh, from the USBC on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline on the Fan. Danny, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. 
Okay, uh, first things first, uh, as you know, Dwight, very well from back in the days of bowling with Dwight. I got to tell you, I bowled in the league with Dwight. I've never seen somebody as psychotic as he is when he bowls. I I, got to know, what was he like younger back in your doubles days? Um, Dwight is definitely very passionate about his bowling. Passionate. Um, I call it psychotic. You call it passionate. Same thing. Okay. Oh, God. He was one of the best bowlers in the league, for sure. Um, it was great bowling with him and watching him bowl. It's like during a match and you screw up. Like, Did you get like the evil death stare, or how did that work? Yeah, you just don't oh, look at him. God. You just don't look at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't blame you. I wouldn't look at him either. I just put my head down and walk back like dad's disappointed and just keep it moving, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thank my God. No I'll doubt about it. <laughs> well, Danny also, um, a lot of people aren't aware uh, and Danny, if I'm wrong, correct me, but um, it's because it's been so many years since we talked, but Danny was instrumental in um, designing one of the synthetic lane beds that are being used in a lot of the centers in town at HPL 9000, correct, Danny? Right. When I worked at AMF, I did that. And then also, um, did you also write um, the book for cats? And I was able to coach at USBC on South 76 for a couple of years when cats was in town, correct? You did all the work with that and actually was the head engineer on Designing Cats. So, um, Sparky, as uh, you're aware, I, I have three guys in my life that I, I would say taught me everything that's in my cranium. Sure. And one of them was the late Bill Wasserberger from Brunswick. And yep. obviously Mo Pinnell is still with us today. And Mo Pinnell gets a mention every week. Right. And then the, the third geek uh, that obviously educated everything I have in my brain is, of course, Danny um, at USBC. So those are the three guys that... Well, when they talked, I listened. <laughs> so is this going to be worse than when Carmen Salvino comes yes. on? It is. Okay, good. At least I know not where we're going. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Dwight. Floor's yours. So, Danny, obviously the last time um, USBC, our governing body, uh, again, if I'm wrong, please uh, correct me, that uh, we had any type of specification change was in 1990 with System of Bowling, correct? Yeah, a few minor ones after that, but 1990, yeah, 92 was System of Bowling, and they set all the up. Specs on bowling balls that we have today, and with a few minor changes over the years. So obviously, when we obviously have this change now that are coming with the specifications, we are right now just dealing with um, a timeline and some of the changes that are coming with bowling balls. So can you explain to, I guess, the the viewers and the fans listening at home why we feel that there had to be a change at this time? Yeah. Um... As you know, over the years, let's go back to around the 80s, you know, with urethane balls, they, they put very little oil on the lane. And then back when the system of bowling 90s, right after that, the first reactive came out, and the amount of oil on the lane eh, about doubled. It used to have like six, eight mils on the lane, and it went to 16. Today, with the new high-power reactive balls, <clears throat> the average mils on the lane is up to 24. So the amount of oil going on the lane has tripled. And as you have more oil in the lanes, and with the balls today, they pick the oil up, um, the oil soaks into the ball, or you, the bowler wipes it off. And during league play, when you're bowling, from game one to the end of game three, everybody's moving, you know, one, two arrows with their feet. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to, we're, we're just trying to slow that down. Um, yeah, you're still going to move, but we're trying to, you know, we think that if we don't do anything, balls will soak up the oil even more, proprietors put even more down, it'll transition quicker, and we're really trying to get the environment to 
hold up longer for the three games or whatever of league play. So we have some rules that are obviously coming in chronological order. And can uh, you explain what the first one is going to be? Obviously, we have one that's in place even this year. Um, I'm not sure which one you're talking about. You're talking about balance hole? Yes, the wait hole, August 1st, 2018, correct. The, yeah. Kind of like the timeline. You know, yeah, what we said or what we determined is, um, well, balance holes originally were intended to fix static weights. Correct. Right now, the static weight spec, I'll call it three, one, and one. You're allowed to have three ounces of top weight, one ounce of side weight, that's either left or right of the grip, grip center, and one ounce from finger or thumb. So three, one, and one. <clears throat> the balance hole, you, you would drill a ball up and maybe kind of push the limit, and it may have too much imbalance in it, go beyond that three, one, and one. Well, the balance hole is intended to, to fix that. Correct. Um, well, over the years... You mentioned Mo Pinnell. He's probably right. really instrumental in this. He was. He taught people to, uh, ooh, you could take this balance hole and put it in different locations and really affect how the ball performs, add to the flare potential of the ball. Um, and we have a spec that says a ball can't, can't flare more than or have a differential of 060. Let's just say that's about six inches of flare. Um, well, with a balance hole put in the right spot, and I'm no Dewey knows the right spot from most teaching. Yep. Uh, you can get that up to 080. Correct. Which, again, we were taking balls that were designed to do one thing and with a balance hole, stretching what they could do. And we just felt we had to bring it back a little bit. So I got a, a, a something here. Uh, so the PBA guys themselves are still using those weight holes and the equipment versus going to the three-ounce rule. That's because there's still a, a distinct advantage using the weight hole then? Well, I don't know if it's an advantage. Um, yes, Right now, we're in a kind of a phase-in period. Right. You can either stick with the old rule, the 3 one and one or if you don't have a balance hole, you can go to three ounces at the top. It's, I'll call it three, three, and three. Three ounces of imbalance in all directions. So the uh, balance hole does give you a little more hook. It can. Again, it, it put in the right spot, and you need to have a big balance hole to you know, stretch it as far as you can to get more hook. But let's be honest, the pros... They don't really need more hook. Uh, part of it, maybe they're just used to it. Uh, and I assume some are starting to experiment with the new requirements. So they're just, they got a ball they like, I guess. Yeah, let's say that a, a customer buys a ball from me, Sparky, and wants to get a little bit more hook out of it. Under the current rule, we can put a, a pretty good-sized weight hole in the ball up to an inch and a quarter. And depending on where we place it, we can add an additional two boards of hook. So that, that helps me, guys that don't have a lot of hook. Correct. Right. It could give you more hook, more back end reaction. Well, obviously, our governing body thinks that's an unfair advantage. And they're obviously, it, that was not what a weight hole was intended to be for. It was intended to be for static and balance reasons, not sure. to alter the reaction of the ball. But like everything else in life, you can make as many rules as you want. Eventually, people are going to find a way around it to get the advantage. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah of, that's, that's that's my job is to not come up with a specification manual that's three inches thick, right? Make it so people could read it and understand it, uh, but make little changes as, as we need to. Um, try not to totally disrupt the industry. Balance hole's kind of minor. Uh, if you have a ball with a balance hole, you can take it back to Dewey and and he can plug it. It, it won't meet the old three one and one weight requirement, maybe, but. By plugging the balance hole, you'll meet the new spec of three, three, and three, which is also what we wanted to do: allow people to still use their ball, just go plug it, 
um, and, and will cut the flare down, and, but you'll gain a little bit from the extra imbalance in the ball. Correct, and that's the main thing that we're trying, obviously, to do today is try to educate the, the, the bowler that's in a league or that's going to bowl a sanctioned tournament and give them a timeline of, of all these rule changes that are coming. Obviously, we still have millions of members, and they all have to be aware of the rules that are coming. The only thing that, at least for pro shop operators that we're asking, is don't wait till a week before August 1st, 2020, and expect us to plug the weight hole on a couple thousand bowling balls. So we're trying to get, I guess, the word out there early, at least in my shop, that, hey, if you're going to hold on to this ball past August 1st, 2020, maybe try to get it in this summer or next summer when we have the time to do it. Yeah, and that was the reason for the phase-in. So right now you can use the new rule or the old rule, and hopefully every customer that comes in to see their pro shop owner, the pro shop owner, you know, tells them about the changes in 20, August 1st of 2020 and suggests let's drill this ball up without a bounce hole. And, hey, if you, you know, you can always bring it back. I can always put the hole in, but remember August 1st, we're going to plug the thing. And hopefully most balls going out of pro shops now don't have balance holes, so Correct. there won't be as many balls needing to be fixed. Okay, so let's say I've got to bring a bowling ball back to you, Dwight. Uh, over at the uh, Spare Time Pro Shop over in New Berlin, and I need to get the, the hole plugged, right? Correct. How much that can cost me? Uh, we're going to only charge $10 for it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Correct. that's good, then. Yeah, we make it affordable, obviously. Yeah, that's good. Right. Okay, good. All right. So I, I also think you're going to see a lot of guys maybe pull the trigger on a new ball finally because maybe their old one is old enough sure. now. Yeah, that could be. All right, so what's the next rule change, Dwight? So the next one, Danny, is going to be August 1st, 2019, and obviously have a few directions going differently than what was written, but uh, explain the next one for the bowlers that will be next year. Now, this coming this year. year. This yeah. coming year, yeah. correct. Yeah, this year the change is really simple. You can only clean your ball during competition with a dry towel. And by dry towel, that, that was kind of a point of confusion. I don't really mean a dry towel. You can use a dry anything, you know, existing chamois, whatever you right. use to you just can't put a liquid cleaner on the ball. And the reason for that was, yeah, we, we, we have different cleaners. Some are allowed during competition. Some are allowed um, only between competitions. And it just got confusing. Yeah, you may have a bottle that says this is approved during competition, but a bowler could put an illegal substance right. in it. Okay, well, that's a, just a, that's a non-factor rule. Nobody should complain about that. That's easy. All right, good. Yeah. What, what else do we got? Well, even under that, uh, Danny, I'm assuming that going forward uh, with August 1st, 2019, uh, a lot of bowlers are still not aware that you cannot either throw a ball in a polishing machine or sand the ball while you're bowling, correct? That's going to still go forward? Right. No, that's not changing. You can't alter the surface during competition. What? Wait, 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 wait. Now, look, it's been a while since I've bowled, but even when I bowled, they had these machines. But you do that before you bowl. I've never seen right. anybody take a ball while they're bowling and do that. I have. Holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, Again, that's another uh, non-factor too. I don't that that just makes no sense to me. So I'm fine with that rule too. So far, Danny, you're doing a great job. Danny Speranza, <laughs> senior director of equipment specification and certification for the USBC. Hold on, buddy. Uh, we'll come right back to you. Got to pay some bills, as they like to say uh, in the biz. Come back. How many more rule changes are there, Dwight? Don't uh, tell well, me like twenty. A, there's a few more coming. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so August first, two thousand twenty. Okay, right. good. All right. So we'll tell you some more of the rule changes that are headed your way. Uh, if you are bowling in league play, that's uh, certified by the USBC. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It is 
your favorite show, Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Dwight Albrecht of the Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Need a ball? Go buy one from Dwight. Need a ball drilled? He'll do it for you. Need a hole plugged? <laughs> Ten bucks. He'll do that for you, too. Uh, joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline for segment number two, he is Danny Speranza, Senior Director of Equipment Specification and Certification. Over at the USBC, as we continue to go over rule changes, headed your way if you are in a USBC certified league, which most of you probably are, uh, things that you can and cannot do. If you missed the first segment of this, you can always go back, catch it on Fan On Demand. John Paul's Buick GMC Fan On Demand at 1057FMTheFan.com will be up uh, later this afternoon. All right, Dwight, what's next on the rules change list? Yeah, Danny, before we get to the, the, the current one or the future ones coming August 1st, 2020, uh, during break, I also forgot that during a week, a customer said, ask Danny if they're going to allow vent holes in the bowling ball yet. Yeah, vent holes still allowed. Um, you know, again, the holes that change the dynamics have to be big holes. The vent hole requirement is no bigger than a quarter-inch diameter, and that one doesn't change it. So we're not – that's fine. Okay. So then obviously the big one, um, and obviously the new study and everything you guys have done down there has been the big one called oil absorption. So tell everyone listening what obviously the manufacturers will have to do going forward – with oil absorption of the bowling ball. Yeah, this is, um, you know, the, the reactive balls absorb oil at different rates. And so we set out to set up a test. We, we did lots of iterations, lots, lots of different, cut little pieces and weighed them and put them in oil and looked at the weight gain. And we ended up settling in on uh, a machine that'll put a, a known amount of oil in a ball. It's about the size, it's, it's one drop of oil, about the size of the head of a, of a pen. Um, or if you took like a, a Sharpie pen and stuck it to the piece of paper, that's the diameter of the, the size of the oil drop. And we just put a camera on it or a microscope on it, connected to a camera, and just let it go, <clears throat> and then figure out when the oil, how long it takes for the oil to soak into the ball. And again, the newer balls are just soaking the oil in faster and faster. Uh, all the manufacturers have done seminars over the years about, oh, here's our new shell. It absorbs faster, and this is faster. And so we're just trying to slow that down. Again, we're just trying to get the oil to stay on the lane and not disappear into the bowling ball. Um, and so we measured all the balls on the market. No bowler should worry about this spec. This is a manufacturing spec, so the ball has to come in and get approved by us, and once it's approved, um, good to go. We're also in a phasing period on this one right now. Um, we're measuring all the balls, reporting it back to the manufacturer. They can make a ball absorb as fast as they want today. But come August 1st of 2020, they can't absorb any faster than 2 minutes, 15 seconds. Um, right now, if they get faster than 9 minutes, 30 seconds, they have to send additional balls in. We, we, you know, we get one ball in, that doesn't tell you much about the product line. So we, as you get closer closer to the limit, we get more and more balls in before we can approve it. And again, this is all between us and the manufacturer. Again, the goal is just to keep the oil on the lane and not being picked up and absorbed in the ball. So let me ask you this, Danny. Um, what you are, I would assume when you're deciding what you're going to do with the bowling balls and so forth, there has to be some type of communication, I would think, with the bowling ball manufacturers uh, when you come up with the ideas of what you want to do. How much dialogue is there between the USBC and the bowling ball manufacturers before you put these rules in place? Yeah, we, um, 
we talked to him for about a year before we came out with the spec. We told him what we wanted to do and um, gave him the equipment. They could start measuring it. They came, it was really good. They came up with a lot of questions. Hey, you know, you if you check the ball, you know, ten times, what do you get? If you stick it, if, if the ball's hot, what do you get? If it's cold, do you get a different reading? They came up with a lot of good questions, and we did a lot of tests and reported back what we found. Um, obviously. They did not want an oil absorption. You know, they don't want any specs, right? They just want to make bowling balls. And so I can't say they were in favor of this, but what we said was, or what we found out is everybody was measuring oil absorption, but everyone had their own test, a little bit different. Um, and so we said, hey, let's come up with one test so that we can all, you know, when you say your ball is three minutes, everybody's tested the same way versus your test for the next companies. I mean, at Columbia, we just took an eyedropper, put a drop of oil in a ball, took your finger, smeared it around about the size of a, a quarter, and timed how long it went in. I mean, very unscientific, right? Sure, so, yeah. You know? So this is a much better accurate test than, than we had at Columbia. The biggest thing that the biggest thing that we're trying to obviously let the, the fans know, obviously, is all the balls that are out right now, A, will be permanently grandfathered in, correct? Right. And then, B, have you guys tested uh, all the current balls that are out um, for oil absorption? Do they pass the future test coming? Yeah, ever since we announced this on August 1st of 2018, a year ago, the manufacturers, every time they sent a ball in for approval, we made them send in their oil absorption time, and then we check it, and we look at the two numbers, see, you know, make sure we're reasonable, Um one important factor that changes it is how rough the surface is. So we have a, a sanding procedure that they have to follow, and that's probably the biggest problem we've come up with is just getting the right surface to, to get the numbers closer and closer, you know, their numbers versus ours. Uh, but we tested every single ball. Um, at this moment, I have no balls that violate the new spec. Um, way back when we were still in the testing phase, we had some that were close to the spec, and I think the manufacturers don't want to violate it, so I think they're already starting to do things to to get further away from the spec limit so they don't have to worry. What is USBC going to do, Danny, to get the word out to the bowlers? Uh, when all these rule changes are coming, we have people coming into the shop, and the big one that they are always saying to me is, well, how on a given night is someone going to enforce this? If someone doesn't know the rule or someone knows the rule, are you guys, I, I know that local associations have been informed. Um, I know Mike Larson was just in town uh, and talked to the local associations about the rule changes. How do we get it out to the league bowlers on a given night so everyone is on the same page? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, we're, we're communicating with the locals. We This summer we went to all the distributor trade shows and explained it to the pro shop owners. I guess we really count on you guys, the pro shop guys to help we us have get been the doing. word out yep. um, about it. And even, let's say, August 1st of next year comes around and someone throws a ball with a, with a balance hole. Right. I mean, this is our procedure for everything. First, you tell them, hey, you know, that's a violation. And, and I'm not even talking about a balance hole. I'm saying any rule. Hey, you, um, you're you doing something illegal. You just and put some liquid on your bowling ball in a, in a match play or something. Yeah, or some existing rule. Oh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but, you know, ooh, I didn't know. Oh, Guy Sands' ball. We just got done. Guy Sands. Well, you can't do that. Well, I didn't know that. Well, okay, no problem. Just don't do it. Now that you know it, you can't do it again. 
And the same would be with the balance hole. Hey, that ball, you got a balance hole, you can't throw it. Um, you know, you got to put it away for the rest of the game. Don't throw it again. If you throw it again, then your games would be subject to forfeit. But if you don't know the rule, we don't go retroactive and throw the game out. So yep. it's kind of first we tell the bowler, did you know the new rule? Okay, everything's fair, everything's good, put it away. But next week, get the thing closed. It just seems so easy to do. All you do is you just make the announcement at the at, at league play for the Correct. first month or so. Correct. You go over the new rules, and after the first month, you just leave it alone. But every time you start up a new league, new rules that have been implemented by the USBC, if you're a sanctioned league. Now, there are some unsanctioned leagues that so won't right. matter. But if you're a sanctioned league, that should be said one way or the other by right. on the PA speaker. By, by the proprietor. Right. Correct. Yeah, I guess you could do it at the league meeting, you know, the first first night of bowling is probably the that's as good a suggestion as I've heard. <laughs> yep. The other big one too that everyone's telling me in the shop is everyone wants to know what the penalty is gonna be. I know you just briefly mentioned it that obviously you just gotta verbally tell the guy. Um, but is there a zero for the frame? Is it a zero for the night? So do you have anything in in, in place that is something to follow if the rule is broken? Boy, that'd be, you know, I'm equipment specs. That would be a real question for the rules department. But like I said, the first thing is you tell the bowler. He goes, oh, I didn't know it. And, again, nothing happens. You put the ball away. Um, if, if you told him this week and next week he pulled the ball out again, then the, um, then the games or frames, whatever, are subject to forfeiture. And, boy, I don't know the exact specifics on the details of that. We'd have to get, get our rules, rules department. department in here to – but again, the main thing to me is just because you violated the rule doesn't mean there's a consequence. It's, hey, did you know it? No, I didn't. Correct. So to me, that's the most important thing. Once you know it, and put it away, and if you continue to do it, well, I think it's fair game to start penalizing the guy at that moment. No doubt. Danny Speranza, thanks so much for coming on. Senior Director of Equipment Specifications and Certification. Appreciate it so much. Continue doing the great work at over at USBC. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Appreciate Danny. It. it was fun. You betcha. Take care. There he is, Danny Speranza on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. All right, 60 seconds to go here on the Castle Lane Spare Time Bowling Show. As always, a fun one. Phil Brilo, my thanks to you, my friend, for being sick and still chiming in from uh, Flow Bowling and Extra Frame. He is a busy man this week, qualifying each day this week during the day. Uh, and then live TV shows every night this week on Fox Sports 1 at 7 o'clock, a different show every night. Cheetah Championship Monday night. The Chameleon Championship Tuesday night. Scorpion Championship Wednesday night. World Championship on Thursday night. And then the PBA World Series of Bowling, USA versus the World, which is actually taped. Not that it matters. You don't know what the results are. That'll be on Friday night at 7. So every night this week, PBA Bowling on FS1 at 7 o'clock. And Dwight, you better have it on in New Berlin Bowl. It will be on. We have Fox Sports 1 on our TV in the Pro Shop. Beautiful. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. College basketball show comes up at noon with Donald Chillis. Toodles.